0: The following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Just kind of bear with me today. I kind of uh, had a little bit of congestion earlier in the week, and uh, I'm getting a lot better, but my throat is definitely taking the, the, the of all of that, Uh, but welcome, welcome to Coastal Community Church. Glad to have you with us today. I'm Pastor Chris. If you're watching us online, we're glad to have you as well. Hopefully, if you're home today, you're home because you are uh, grilling or smoking food, getting ready uh, for tonight's game. How many of you had no idea that today, honestly, was the Super Bowl? You had no idea until somebody mentioned it to you. Okay, now let's take a very non-scientific survey. How many of you believe that the Patriots are going to win today? Let's hear some noise, noise, okay, yeah. How many of you want the Rams to win, or really just don't, as long as the Patriots don't win? <laughs> okay. I don't know if that's gonna happen, we'll see. I really don't care, because uh, I think Clemson could beat either one of the teams, so I don't, you know, whatever. Uh, anyway, as long as we had last week's officials, we could do it, but anyway, um, so. Uh, hey, uh, we got a lot of great things going on. Chris, I uh, mentioned several of those things. Uh, one thing I do want to tell you about is beginning next Sunday. Today, we wrap up the series in the beginning, and next week, we kick off a brand new series called The Vow, The Vow, and it is a relationship slash marriage series. Now, for those of you who are single, I know what you're thinking, oh, it's a marriage series. I want to come. Listen, maybe you're hoping to get married one day, and you need to know what a healthy marriage looks like and some things that you need to be prepared for and do, I promise you'll get Something out of it. So um, don't miss it. And we basically are pulling out all the stops saying invite and bring a friend. Uh, We're actually sending out um, a large postcard. Here's the postcard right here uh, that they'll get in the mail. And we have maybe about a hundred of these back there in the back, uh, right underneath the one sign at the kiosk. So um, if you have someone you'd like to invite and you'd like to use the postcard to do so, uh, drop back. By there and pick one of these up. It's really going to be a great series. Uh, during the series, uh, Friday night, Friday and Saturday, the 22nd and the 23rd, we're having a marriage seminar, and uh, we already have close to 100 people signed up for that. And so if you haven't yet signed up, go ahead and sign up for that. You can do that uh, on your uh, Connect card, and uh, you can do that online as well. Um, on that particular Sunday of that weekend, uh, the 24th, uh, we're going to have uh, Give all of the couples in our, in our church, or anybody who would like to, a uh, chance to renew your vows during the service. And so we're going to have people literally just kind of stand up where they're at, or scoot out into the center aisles, or down front, or off to the side, and to look lovingly into their spouse's eyes and repeat uh, wedding vows again. And uh, so it's going to be a great service. And then afterwards, outside, underneath a big tent, we're going to have another big tent, uh, we're going to have a, a wedding reception uh, here at Coastal, complete with a DJ. And um, we're going to have wedding cake and punch. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And so um, invite and bring a friend to this series. It's going to be great. And uh, we're also going, that, that particular weekend, we're going to give away, a, a, two, a in, in both services, a honeymoon package. We're going to give that away uh, during the service, but keep your expectations low. I think it's a couple of nights down at the Evergreen Hotel right down the road, so <laughs> now, it'll, it'll be nicer than that, I promise you. So, uh, But today, uh, we are wrapping up this series uh, that we began January with, began 2019 with. Um, it's called In the Beginning. And uh, it's really kind of an overview of the beginning of the book of Genesis. And last week, we left off with Abraham. And we talked about how all throughout Abraham's life, God had these, a series of these define the relationship moments, DTR moments with, with Abraham, where he had an opportunity to either you know, keep growing and keep going in his relationship with God and keep stretching his faith or not. So today, we're going to wrap up this series by continuing to talk about uh, several more of these defining moments that Abraham had with God. Abraham is really a a central figure here in the beginning of Genesis. And what what I'm hoping that you're going to discover today, what I hope you learned last week, is that we have these defining moments all the time. You have an opportunity with God all the time to take your relationship with him to the next level, to keep growing, to keep stretching your faith. I, I believe that's why you're here today. Now, sometimes when we hear names of people from the Old Testament, from the Bible, like Noah or Abraham or Moses or David, we, we get this idea in our mind of, well, wow, these, these are just the, you know, the superheroes of the faith, you know, morally perfect, always did the right thing, always said the right thing. But the reality is nothing could be further from the truth. Just like you and me, they get some things right, but the Bible doesn't gloss over the fact that many times they get some things wrong. And the same is true with Abraham. The same is true with you and me. So I want us to talk about some of those defining moments again today. Um, the first defining moment I want us to look at really is more of a series of defining moments more than anything else, and it, but it's got to do with this question, and here it is. Do I trust God in the here and now? If you're taking notes, write that down. Do I trust God in the here and now? In other words, do I trust him with what I can see? So again, remember, we, we left off with Abraham. He obeys God. He takes off for the wilderness. You know, God just says, go. He goes, he obeys, he heads to Canaan, but then there's a famine there. And he's got to end up going on to Egypt. Now, in those days, it was very, very dangerous to travel, especially for women. And they definitely needed, uh, they depended on uh, men for protection. And so in Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 11, we get to read Abraham's very first recorded words in scripture, okay? This great, great pillar of faith. This is what it says. As he was about to enter Egypt, He said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but let you live. Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. Okay. Okay. Not exactly the greatest moment in the history of husbanding, okay? You know, like, seriously, Abraham. So the story goes that uh, Sarah actually gets stuck in Pharaoh's harem. Uh, God intervenes, and then Pharaoh, of all people, ends up giving a lesson on integrity to Abraham. And so again, this is an example. You know, the, the Bible is, you know, shows us the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, you know, in this journey of faith, Abraham gets some things right and he gets some things wrong. And that one he definitely got wrong. However, he does get some things right. In chapter 13, there's this conflict that he has between his staff and the staff of his nephew, Lot, over some grazing rights. Now, Abraham deliberately gives Lot his first choice of the land that he wants. Even though Abraham's, you know, his elder in this situation and could have demanded the first choice, but Lot chooses the best land, the best. And do you know, what, you know what happens? Because of Abraham's faith, because he trusts God in the here and now, in what he could see, God ends up blessing him. And then in chapter 14, it's interesting, Lot is captured in a battle. And um, Abraham goes on this daring raid, and he rescues his nephew, and uh, two kings come to see Abraham. And it's interesting, they kind of represent two different ways of dealing with your possessions. Again, you know, the here and now, what you and I can see with our eyes. Now, one of them is the king of Sodom, and he invites Abraham into an alliance of sorts if he'll accept the spoils of war. But he'll only give him the spoils. If he'll form this alliance. So, Abraham, really at great personal expense, says, No, that's all right. I don't need that. Instead, he decides that he's going to trust God to provide. Now, the other king that comes is a guy by the name of Melchizedek. And we're told he's actually a priest of the Most High God. And it's interesting, you know, here, you know, in other words, God is moving and God is doing things that Abraham's not even, you know, aware of. And in Genesis 14, 19 and 20, it says this. And he, talking about Melchizedek, and he blessed Abram saying, blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. Now, stop there just for a second. See, I think it's as though Melchizedek is trying to remind Abraham that, you know, all these victories And all his possessions, ultimately, Abraham, they're not yours anyway. They came from God. They belong to God. The blessings, you know, they're blessings from God. They don't belong to you at all. God's the owner, and you're just the manager. Now, the question for you and me today is this. Have you learned that lesson? You know, to trust God in the here and now with what you can see. You know, that that ultimately, all of those things, okay, your possessions, your money, your, your, your calendar, your talents, your family, your children, your home, your cars, all of it, all those things are just blessings from God. They're gifts from God. They're not yours. Have you learned that lesson yet? Now, we know that Abraham did. How do we know that? Well, a very important biblical teaching is actually introduced by Abraham here at the end of verse 20. Listen to this. This is the first time this is mentioned in the Bible. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. What does he do there? What does he do? He tithes. Now, many of you here at Coastal have heard of this before, the uh, tithing. It's the biblical principle of giving the first 10% of everything you have back to God. By the way, Abraham does this, and this is actually before the law was instituted. A lot of people argue, well, that's just Old Testament law. Listen, this is before Moses. This is the first recorded incident of tithing in the Bible. But this is why I actually want you to see why this is so significant. You see, when we do that, when you tithe, when you give God the first of your fruits, the very first 10% of everything that you have, do you know what you're doing? It's as though you're living in covenant. We talked about that last week. In other words, you are trusting the blessing of God. You're trusting the promises of God, the word of God, and you're allowing God to use you to be a blessing to other people. What you're saying is, God, you know what? I trust you in the here and now. I trust you with what I can see. You're the owner, everything I have, everything that I can see, it all comes from you. You're the owner and I'm the manager. And so when you don't give, when you're not tithing, when you don't give God the very first 10% of what you have, do you know what you're really saying? God, I don't trust you. I'd rather keep it for myself. In fact, I'd rather form an alliance with the ways of this world than to trust you. What about you? Have you learned that lesson? Back to Abraham, defining moment number 2. Not only do I trust God with, you know, the here and now, but do I trust God with my future? Do I trust God with my future? Remember what God said to Abraham. Remember last week? Abraham, I'm going to bless you. You're going to be a blessing. You're going to be the father of many nations. Remember, that's what his name means. I'm going uh, to make this great community out of you. I'm going to start with you and then your descendants. Okay, but there's one huge problem. Abraham doesn't have any what? He doesn't have any children at this point none. He's in his 80s. Sarah is in her 70s. Okay, there's no Viagra back then, no nothing. Okay, Genesis 16:1 and 2, listen to this. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go, sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. By the way, come on now. That seems a little passive on Abraham's part, doesn't it? I mean, he doesn't put up a fight. He doesn't argue with her. He just says, okay, honey, if that's what you want, I will do it. I will take one for the team here. Okay, yeah, right. So verses three and four. So, after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, his wife took her Egyptian servant Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. Now, guess what? This is an example of Abram and Sarah getting some things wrong. This wasn't God's plan, this wasn't, you know, covenant behavior. Again, he gets some things wrong and he gets some things right. And we do the same thing, though. In fact, I think we're very similar to this right here. Because sometimes, you know, we say we trust God and then we try to manipulate the situation, don't we? We try to make things work the way we think they need to work out, not really waiting on God and trusting him. In chapter 17, when Abram was 99 years old, let me ask you a question. Do you remember how old Abram was when he took off for the land that God was gonna show him? He was 75. So get that, 24 years have passed. Can you wait on God for his promises to be revealed? When Abram was 99 years old, The Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Now, God then changes his name from Abram to Abraham, tells him he is going to be the father of many nations, and it's going to start with a son by his wife, Sarah. And then God drops this bomb. There's going to be a sign, Abram, Abraham, Uh, of this covenant. Now remember, uh, covenants had uh, memorials or signs. Last week we talked about uh, the covenant walk. This is what God says. You ready for this? Abraham, I want you to be circumcised. Now imagine if you're Abraham, 99 years old, hearing that for the first time. I mean, come on, guys. I mean, he's got to be thinking, God, come on. You know Noah got a rainbow. You know <laughs> this doesn't seem right. You know, um, but in verse twenty-three, listen to this. It says that Abraham obeyed that very day, and not just him, but his entire household. How'd you like that job requirement? <laughs> you know, but even with that, even with all of that, Abraham and Sarah are human, and they had their doubts. Again, these are real people. In fact, they both laughed at what God said. Uh, Abraham laughs in chapter 17, verse 17, and then uh, look at verse uh, chapter 18. Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah Sarah were already old and well-advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself after she, as she thought, after I am worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? You know, I just—I love her sarcasm there, don't you? I mean, this is really absurd. Abraham is 99, Sarah's 89. She's thinking, how in the world is this gonna happen? And then in verse 13, then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I I really have a child now that I am old? And then this great, great response from God. Listen to this, verses 14 and 15. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Listen, I don't know what you're going through today, and I don't know what step of faith God might be calling you to, but maybe you came here today just to hear that. Is anything too hard for the Lord? It says, I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. So Abraham and Sarah, they're both filled with doubt. But you know what? They still obeyed God. Listen, you know, having courage, being faithful, doesn't mean that you're not afraid. It says she was. It doesn't mean that you don't doubt. It just means you move forward. You take that next step of faith. You're obedient. And they were. And about a year later, Isaac was born. This is really cool. Do you know what his name means, the name Isaac means? In Hebrew, it literally means he laughs. He laughs. Genesis 21, 6, Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. Can't you imagine? I'm sure everybody was, right? I mean, of course they laughed. Their baby was born in the geriatric ward covered by Medicare, you know? Um, is Sarah's the only woman who goes to Walmart and buys pampers and Depends at the same time. You know, she all the food that she buys is strained vegetables because nobody's got any teeth in her whole family, you know. Of course they laughed. They laughed at you. Um, guess what? Sometimes people are laughing at you. When you obey God, you take those next steps. You know, as, as you look at the life of Abraham, it's it's easy to wonder at this point. Okay, 99, all these things he's been through. Okay, is this enough? You know, hasn't he grown to full maturity yet? I mean, could there possibly be another step for him to take in this relationship with God? Guess what? God's not finished it with him yet. In fact, the greatest challenge is still ahead. And you know, that reminds me of something today. Just when you might be thinking, you know, some of you are very new to the faith, but then there are others of you who have been, you know, a believer for a long time. And maybe you've gotten to the point where you think, you know, I just, I can't grow anymore. I can't be, you know, I've stretched all I can stretch. I can't take another step of faith. You know what Abraham might be trying to tell you today? You know what God might be trying to tell you today? I'm not finished with you yet. Let's keep growing. Let's keep stretching. So, do you trust God in the here and now? You know, is that evidenced by your your giving, by your tithing? Do I trust God with the future? You know, where I live, my family, you know, my job, the things I can't see? And then defining moment number three have I trusted God for my salvation? for my salvation. Genesis 22:1. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He's about to face an extreme exam. God calls out to him, "Abraham." And just like the servant he is, he replies, "Here I am." And that's the seventh time that we know of in the Bible with that God speaks to Abraham. But this time, he's going to demand something of him the likes of which he can hardly imagine. It's going to be confusing. And it's going to be costly. And let me tell you something, sometimes you know, God's, God's step of faith for you might be the same for you. It might be costly and it might be confusing. Verse two, take your son, your only son Isaac whom you love and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Wow. I mean you think about that for a second let that sink in three words take go sacrifice listen Abraham knew exactly what that meant I bet the breath was just taken right out of him I mean this is his one and only son the son of the great promise the miracle son you know that we had so late in life but this would be Abraham's opportunity to demonstrate whether or not he really did love God more than anything else and whether or not he really trusted him. Now I want you to notice here, God doesn't give Abraham any explanation. There's just this expectation to obey. And you know what? God doesn't owe you an explanation either. He doesn't owe me one. He just wants you to obey. He's given you his word. He's given you the precepts and principles by which to follow and live your life. He doesn't owe you an explanation. He just wants you to be faithful. Now, when Abraham gets this test of faith, he doesn't argue, doesn't check in with anybody else. The Bible says he just obeys. Listen to verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. By the way, think about that, third day. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then listen to this, And then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. Now this journey to Moriah would have been about 50 miles and would have taken about three days. Can you imagine what was going through Abraham's mind? He starts thinking about all that he'd been through. All these years, all these moments where his relationship with God had been defined and stretched. And now he is being asked to sacrifice his one and only child. But somehow Abraham had the faith to believe that both he and Isaac would return. Notice the pronouns that he uses we will worship, we will come back. By the way, that's the first time in the Bible that the word worship is used. You know what that reminds me? Worship is so much more than singing. That at its heart, worship is a willingness to what? It's a willingness to surrender everything to God. At its heart, worship is sacrifice. It's holding nothing back. Worship is, is obediently giving to God what He wants and then trusting Him to provide what we need. That's worship. And we get so hung up on, oh, I got to stand up and sing these songs. The music was a little too loud today. Verse seven. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father? Yes, my son. Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Wow. I mean, that must have cut right through Abraham's heart. Listen to this. Abraham answered, God himself Will provide. He'll provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Notice again, God will provide. Ultimately, the sacrifice will come from God. And and I don't know how, and maybe we don't completely understand, but somehow Abraham knew that some way everything was going to work out, that he was going to be able to worship because God was going to provide the sacrifice. And then the Bible says that he took his son, he tied him up, he laid him on the altar, and he reached for his hand, he drew back the knife, and he was about to go through with it. He was about to slay his son. Abraham's got every intention here. He's going to follow through with this commitment to obey. And with the knife hovering in the air, an angel of God speaks out and says, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham, I'm sure, breathed a huge sigh of relief as he hears these words. Listen to verse 12. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know That you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. What in your life have you possibly made an idol? Something maybe more important to you than your relationship with God? So Abraham passes the test, but he still has to complete the sacrifice Verse 13, Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. The ram took the place of Isaac. So what's going on here? Can't you see it? This is an example of a substitute offering. You know, some commentators suggest that the word thicket there refers to thorns, reminding us of the thorns that did what? The thorns that pierced the head of Jesus. In fact, I want you to know some other parallels here to Jesus that are found in this story. Isaac carries the wood on his own back. Jesus bore the weight of the cross on his back as he walked through the streets of Jerusalem to Calvary. Both Isaac and Jesus, the Bible tells us, were obedient to death as they submitted to the will of the Father. Both, and, and, and this is so cool, Mount Moriah, okay, the region of Moriah, where all this took place, do you know what was eventually built there? The temple. The very place, the very place where the blood of that ram soaked into that wood, do you know what was going to happen there? There. That would be the place where countless other sacrifices, countless other lambs were brought into the temple. And ultimately, listen to this, and I've been there. I went there this past year in Israel. Listen to this. This is going to be the very place, Moriah, where Jesus would give his life for you and me on a bloodstained wooden cross. And guys, this is what you need to hear loud and clear. Salvation is always near. God's provision is always near. Jesus is the perfect Lamb of God. And he died in your place. He died in my place. God's provision for you, God's salvation is always near. God is near to you today. Maybe that's what you needed to hear today as you are here. Deuteronomy 4.7 says this, For what great nation has a God as near to them as the Lord our God is near to us whenever we call on him? Listen, God is near. All you've got to do is cry out to him. In fact, Romans ten thirteen says this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved because provision is always near. Salvation is always near. This is what I want you to do right now. I want you to take a look at your outline for just a second. And I want you to have a defining moment right here and right now. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit of God to apply these truths and these questions to your own life. Do I really trust God with the here and now? This is your moment. Right here, right now. do you trust him with what you can see? Your stuff, your possessions, your money. Do you trust God with your future? The things you can't see Or do you just try to manipulate God to get what you want when it doesn't happen when you think it should? Where are you going to live? Your job? Your family? And then here's the last one. Have you, have you ever trusted in the Lord for your salvation? Listen, salvation is near. God's provision is near. In Genesis 15, 6, we read that Abraham believed the Lord and he credited to him as righteousness. You know what? Abraham was not perfect. And we've seen some examples of that today. And guess what? Neither are you or I. But he believed God, the Bible says. And when he did... Righteousness was immediately credited to his account. And you know what? The same can be true for you right here at this very moment. You are not perfect. But if you will believe, if you'll put your faith in Christ and the sacrifice that he made for you, the Bible says that his righteousness... The righteousness of Christ will be credited to your account. And God will see that. That's exactly what Paul said in Romans 4. Because of Abraham's faith, God declared him to be righteous. Now this wonderful truth that God declared him to be righteous wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. No, listen to this. It was for us too. Assuring us that God will also declare us to be righteous if if we believe in God who brought Jesus our Lord back from the dead he was handed over to die because of our sin and he was raised from the dead to make us right with God have you done that have you trusted in God for your salvation you can do that today Right here and right now, and the righteousness of Jesus, the Bible says, will be transferred, will be credited to you and your account. So that one day when you stand before God and He looks at you, He will see Jesus. He'll see Jesus. Do you trust God with the here and now? Do you trust God with your future? And have you trusted him for your salvation? You can do it now. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I do thank you for, I thank you for the book of Genesis. I thank you for these stories of faith and obedience. I thank you that you show us the truth, you know, the the good and the bad and the the very ugly. And it's just a reminder, God, I, I, I believe that we're sinners in need of a Savior. And the good news is that one has been provided. Listen, if you you are here today and you have not yet trusted God for your salvation through Christ, just pray something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I have blown it. I, I have, I've, I've messed up, I've made a mess of things. And um, God, today I, I turn my back on all of that. And I turn toward Christ in faith, in faith. And God, I declare, I do believe. I believe that Jesus died in my place. He took my place on that cross, he died for my sin. And he proved his power over sin and death. He proved that he had the the right to do it by coming back from the dead. And as much as I understand, as much as I know how, today I believe. I put my faith and trust in him and him alone. And I worship you today, God. I'm willing to, to sacrifice and to surrender my all to you. And now for the rest of my days God, I just want to follow Jesus. I want to grow in this faith. I want to become more and more like you see me now. Righteous. Brand new. Clean and forgiven. And Father, for those of us in this room who have been a part of the faith for a long time I pray today you would remind us that you're not done with us yet. There's still a A step to take. There's still some stretching to do, some growing to do. Father, may we trust you with what we can see and with what we can't. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.